My notes, Jim. My notes. Brother, uh, you've come in with a binder today of notes. You know what? Are, are notes or questions? These are questions. These are notes. These are thank yous. These are just a bunch of stuff. They're beefs, yeah. Beefs. <laughs> Not Wagyu. Uh, <laughs> so, Jim, hey, how's it going, man? It's going. It's going, brother. It's going. We had our visitors this morning outside there. I mean, yeah, they're just yeah. hanging out. But uh, our fan club. Our fan club, yeah. <laughs> Two Canadian geese shitting everywhere. It's beautiful. <laughs> okay, everybody. We are going to do another Q&A because you guys are loving these Q&A shows. So this is the fourth Q&A since the last show we've done i've got 13 pages here of q a well the q part we're going to be contributing the a part but right off the bat i want to do a a few little shout outs i know that jim you you talked to me i want to do a little hint hint about rentals for heroes thank you yeah yeah yeah. so let's talk a little bit about that uh just to get the show going for you people out there that don't know what i've started uh 10 years ago we started a uh a charity called rentals for heroes which basically bridges the gap from what the government will do for our veterans because they only they only can do so much so what i mean by bridging the gap is um so right now let me just step back a bit we're dealing with uh, veterans that have lost limbs uh, in afghanistan also suffering from ptsd so it's as simple as building a deck it's as simple as, you know, redoing a bathroom for um, the handicapped. We've been, you know, we've been, we, we've been able to do our golf uh, tournaments. We've been able to do our galas and our other fundraising over the past 10 years. Last year, we, we celebrated our 10th anniversary and we had our 10th anniversary gala and we got it, we had like, huge numbers we had 750 people full military was there everything it was it was absolutely amazing you have images on the website don't you we do yeah yeah yeah. okay and the website again is reynoldsforheroes.org.org so you guys can definitely check it out we got it we we had it at the the end of february and then two weeks later the whole world was shut down i guess what i'm asking is since everything is shut down we can't do our fundraising like we are used to doing. We can't have, we didn't have a gala this year. Most likely won't be able to have a gala next Next year. year. The actual problems for the veterans don't go away. They're still here. They still need help. I guess, guys, what I'm asking, if you can find it in your hearts to go to redosforheroes.org and there's a little donate button Whatever you can afford, and I know everybody is, you know, it's a, it's a shit time. We would really appreciate it. The veterans would really appreciate it. For and, sure. um, you know, as I've always said, you know, they served this country and they served us, you know, in their time of need. I think it's our time to serve them and, uh, and help them out. And so, you know what, guys, that'll be the end. I'm not going to, you know, you can go to the website, have a look. Just remember, we live in a fantastic, great country, and there are some sacrifices that uh, have made this a, a great country. Thank you. So if you guys do get a chance, please check it out. And if you can, and honestly, Jim, like we're talking like $10. 10, anything. Anything. Yeah, and anything. We, we know that everybody's struggling out there, but we're all, like Jim wants to continue this, this charity going. He wants to continue helping out. And I know that it was this week or last week I mentioned that. Anything we could do for the community, the same way with Joel on Laneway Building, yes. and he was talking about building the pizza oven. 
any little thing that we can do because we have our skills and we can contribute, please. That's yeah. all we're asking, right? So thank you again. So right off the bat, guys, keep on sending me the DMs for the stickers. I've got a stack of different postage stamps ready to go. I've got <laughs> Canadian ones, US ones, and international ones, right? Perfect. And it's not crazy money, and, and I enjoy sending out the stickers. So please, uh, you know, I love sending them out. They've gone as far as Hong Kong, Australia, Sweden, Beautiful. Denmark. You know what I mean? Like, I want to get them out there. Canada's, they're right across the board. Please, please reach out to me, get the stickers out. And once again, thank you so much for listening. This is really appreciated, it's man. absolutely amazing. Thank yeah. you. And we really appreciate you guys reaching out to either one of us, asking us questions. We will always answer these questions it may not get right away as we expected it's been getting ballistic regarding yeah. the dms right and and I, we we don't want to say stop we just want to say continue yeah that's all we want to say because we want to continue giving you guys the information that we come across and so we 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 like it we like it that you guys are reaching out so that's all that the, yeah the, i mean the information the advice and you know what maybe not in not even it's it's not even the advice. It's the experience that we've encountered along the way. Whether it's right or wrong, I think we've all probably gone through the same thing one time or another, right? Yeah, for sure. And it's just how we, you know, how other people have handled. And I think that's the best way to, you know, to take care of a problem, right? So, Jim, on with the show. On with the show. <laughs> <laughs> right off the bat, shout outs. Let's just, this is just a mixed match of shout outs and questions and comments, all kinds of stuff. Right off the bat, Hayes. Hayes from Hayes uh, Newman Designs. Had a great chat with him. And the first thing he mentioned, because he called me out and asked if I could talk to him on the phone. And he was just saying, listen, your, your voice sounds different because I usually listen to you guys at three times the speed. And, <laughs> and, and you guys sound like chipmunks, right? So construction chipmunks. So I, I appreciate you letting me know that. I didn't even know that you could do that. But it kind of makes sense if you're listening to an hour and a half long podcast. Let's just get it going. 30 minutes, man. Right? And you hear Done. the whole conversation. So, hey, thanks so much. It was a great chat with you. Uh, we're all talking about how to build a better business, how to scale it up. That's what we were talking about. And I'm like, this is a common theme in yep. construction. Everybody's looking towards automated ideas, uh, you know, getting rid of the, the notepad two by four. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about, right? Everyone has a notepad two by four and, and getting more tech savvy and more streamlined and scaling it up, right? But that's going to discuss later on where in, in today's COVID time, scaling up and, and that potential Right. We'll talk about it later on. We'll totally talk about it later on. So uh, we got Jamie again from uh, Raven Built, and he had to share, Morning, Manny. I know you're probably reading right now, 4 a.m. in the morning, as I <laughs> usually do. Just finished the last two podcasts and great stuff. I would like to be kept in the loop regards to whatever you and Jim are doing for an association or a group or whatever it is. I would like to hear other guys, and if I can, help also. Keep up the good work. That's it. But Jamie also has a question. I like how you cover all aspects of the trade. I am finishing up a basement and I have a couple customers on my back about starting theirs as soon as possible. But I keep remembering that I have to concentrate hard on the finishing to take my time and do my best. Thank you to you both for reminding me that. I have a question. I am busier and I met a cool guy installing a kitchen the other day that is licensed carpenter that went on his own a year ago. I was thinking that because I am busier, should I get him to help me on some jobs? But forgive my ignorance, but I am trying to wrap my mind as to what is the best option to have him work with me or for me. Mm -hmm. I guess once you meet a guy... He's a sub. Do you pull so, that I trigger? Mean, I get, how do you, okay, so I, just listen to the, way, the words. Work with me 
you're not totally, you're not his partner yeah. or work for you. I mean, it's an employee. Um, I would choose to work with me first to see if you guys can, you know, and you split everything and, or however you, your arrangement is, see how the first few jobs go yeah. and then decide whether you want to really partner up or not. Because when you partner up, it's, it's a different game, right? You're, you're sharing everything. It's and, true. But on, and for mostly the positive, more more pro than con. Yeah. You know, you look at, you know, you're struggling right now about clients. Well, your partner could go over and get that thing started. Yep. Right? And then you move right in into it. So, uh, yeah, you know what? I would do a couple jobs first. Feel that would out. be my advice. You know, you, you're going to do what you want to do, but I, I, I wouldn't go into a total partnership right away. And I don't know if I would ask him to be employee just yet, just yet, because maybe he doesn't want that. Maybe he's thinking the same thing you're thinking. So you got to be careful on how you word that. I think. He's concerned right off the bat. He's like thinking if you agree at a certain price point, he he's concerned that once he kind of does a partnership or an employee, he's going to end up paying him more than what he's going to be making. And then all of a sudden he's like, would that be beneficial to my business or not? And well, what, what if he's an employee? Oh, yeah. Well, if he's a sub and he comes in and he gives you a set price, but then all of a sudden if he comes in as an employee and I pay him and he's hourly and then maybe something takes longer, then he's going to be making more money than he is as his own business. And we've gone through this. Yeah. Well, sometimes your, your guys make more money than you do. Yeah. And you, you know? shake your head because they yeah. come in and the scope is done and they've been, you've agreed on an amount. So See, that's, Again, I just boil that down to experience. Yeah. So if, if he's going to be an employee and you're going to pay him by the hour, you're going to find out in a couple months how fast he is, and then you can judge your, you know, then you will judge your then estimated you time and yeah. everything else on how to do it. I mean, yeah, no, it's, it costs you. Something, something interesting happened recently to me where it got me thinking, a trade said something that made me think that they actually cared about my business and it just caught me off guard i was really caught off guard where the trade actually said you know it'd be interesting if you did this and organize that and they started contributing ideas to actually make my business more streamlined and i started in the back of my head i I heard the suggestion but in the back of my head i was really thinking this guy actually cares about my business growing and that made me look at that trade differently because he was making an unsolicited right suggestion for a better business right and so was, you know what I so you know what I see? What you see? He's in the same position you are. Yeah. He's a business owner. Yeah. He works with you, for you, but he's still he's a sub trade, but he's a his own separate business. So he thinks the same way you. So if he's going to make your business better, it just makes his that much better. That's exactly it. Right? You're, so you're, you're now scratching if you can get each other. your employees to think that way. That's the challenge. That's the challenge. Right. That's the challenge, right? Tim from Ohio. Hey, OH10. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, a huge fan of the Construction Life podcast, and I've listened since episode one. I would love to get a sticker. I'm out of the U.S., and you and Jim and Carlito have inspired me to get into carpentry trade. Thanks for all that you guys do. Regards, Tim. That's it. Just nice. Tim, what, where, where in Ohio? Dayton. 
I don't know exactly. He didn't tell me. He just Cincinnati, sent me. He shot me an email. That's Toledo. all he was. I know. I want to give us. A, I want to give the listeners a, a little heads up on our friend over at Upper Level Finishes, the trade that slipped on the ice and broke his leg and had to cut everything. So he gave me a little rowdown of what he had to go through regarding that whole procedure. So I just wanted to share it with everybody. Tuesday night was the accident. Wednesday at 3.30, I was awake in a temp cast, not a 45-degree leg waiting for surgery. I don't know what that exactly means. 8 a.m. doc tells me I will need surgery with rods and pins, oh. that it would be done maybe the day or next. 10 a.m. nurses walked, uh, wanted me to walk on crutches and send me home to wait for surgery. Since the hospital was overfilled with patients, I told them there's no way I am moving my leg. I could feel the bones rubbing on each Ugh. other, even if I moved a little bit. 2 p.m., they moved me from the emergency to another holding room. 7 p.m., I was admitted and finally got a proper bed, but in the baby ward, since they had no room in the surgical wing. No food this whole time since waiting for surgery. 10 p.m. of the following day, not going to surgery, have some snacks and tea. Thursday, no food, waiting for surgery. 12, no surgery, I can eat. 4 p.m., two, three days later now, move to surgical wing, 5 p.m. dinner. Friday, top of the list for surgery, no food. 4.30, surgery, good to go. 7 p.m., going into OR. Saturday, recovery maybe will be released after. Physio consult, but they were booked for the day. Sunday, release day, just waiting for physio sometime in the a.m. 11 a.m. released, 9 p.m., wondering how easy would it be to shower if I actually had a walk-in shower. Monday, on job site, setting up a new guy. <laughs> I don't know about that last part. I think he's still leg up on the couch, just chilling. Wow. He's got a few months of recovery. And where's that, here? This is here. This is here, man. So that was his week from slipping on the ice and breaking a few bones in his leg, right? It's tough, and he can't wait to get back on the job site. Wow. So, brother, speedy recovery, man. Hopefully yeah. it heals up fast. I hope it, it heals up really fast. Okay, so uh, let me see what else is here. I got another Tim. I got a Tim Reed. So he just found this. Uh, I would like to congratulate you guys for probably the best podcast in existence. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, um, Tim. Wow. I had just found it recently. I've been steamrolling through the episodes. I really liked episodes 47 and 99. 47 because that's exactly my belief. 47 was the building envelope with Hans. Ah. 99, as we know, was the framing episode with Jesse. So then 99, because I cut my teeth in framing back in the 90s and will always be a framer regardless. I had stepped out of framing in 2008 and took a more stable job. It got pretty shaky around here and been riding the easy path since. I am 42 now and I can't shake the itch. So I'm going to try and ease back into building, planning to do some handyman type work and decks and to hopefully build some relationships and see where it goes. All the GCs I worked with are long, uh, long gone and the next generation is in their place. I really want to get into building better and not just the code. Great work with the podcast. We definitely need more contractors like you guys to move this industry forward and to lead the next generation in. So that's Tim Reed from Christiansburg, Virginia. Wow. Thank you, Tim. Really wow. appreciate that, man. That's very cool. Danny Velado. So Danny is the one I mentioned to you. So, hey, Manny, I just found your show on the po on my podcast app, and I think it's great. I've always been wanting to do a podcast for a long time. I'm a uh, I am a constructor worker in the local 183 Labor's Union and for many years was a former comedian manager and a promoter of Portuguese comedy. 
That just is funny on its own. He must know, <laughs> then he must know Dorval. <laughs> I work for a big company, Tridel, and if you ever want to labor on the show to talk about our day-to-day construction site drama and positive stuff, let me know. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Danny. I've already been in touch with you. We're going to figure out what day you're And Danny, come on. Local 183 is a huge supporter of Reynolds for Heroes. Thank you, guys. Are they really? That's, yeah. That's very yeah, cool, man. Yeah. Okay, so Danny, we'll look forward to getting you on because you know what the truth is? We actually haven't had employees on the show right we've had a lot of business owners small business owners and individual trades but they're all small business owners everybody's an entrepreneur yeah we haven't had employees so it'd be great to speak to an employee of a big outfit get yeah. their take on it and i'm sure that he'll have a few portuguese jokes here and there <laughs> <laughs> uh at Peel, brock is back manny i listened back to episode 87 this needs to be talked about more that was a real estate episode uh real estate is way simpler than a lot of people think i bought a rental tw- at 20 years old bought another house at 23 and did a basement suite at 24 i then sold my first rental and bought a fourplex my monthly cash flow is now what's given me the confidence and stability to go on my out on my I own i spoke to brock did you speak to him yeah so yeah he's got a nice little gig going on there this is not bragging i'm no smarter than anyone else but real estate is so powerful and needs to be a part of everyone's portfolio sorry for bombarding your dms yet again bombard me away <laughs> i don't care brock uh no that's it, it's 100% yeah. We've got the skills and we might as well like use them for our own purposes and build these rental properties and rent them out and have this passive income coming in. Yeah, for sure. So that's a great idea that you're doing and others others should be taking it on as well. From Lee Bram Plumbing. No idea if you'll get this anytime soon, Manny, but just wanted to say I just started listening to the podcast. 33-year-old Toronto plumber, learned in the union, started a company trying to make the jump to going fully independent. You and the boys on the podcast have made me realize how much my work needs to improve and get better. Always. Thanks, man. Like the journeymen before you who tried to tell me that there was always room for more and better work. Thanks for all you guys, what you do. The goal of making the industry better is a big one, but a few voices like you in the mix will help us all get there in Toronto. Thanks. I'll be sharing this podcast to the young plumbers coming up at the show and the spark to be better. Nice. Thanks, man. Really appreciate that. Ryan Connolly, he reached out. He's like, hey, guys, uh, my name is Ryan Connolly. I'm 21. I'm currently working as a carpenter apprentice through Hummingbird Hill Timber Solutions, owned by Hummingbird Hill Homes out of Burlington, Oakville, yeah, just outside them. of the Toronto area. You know them? Eh? I, well, they don't know me, but I know of them. Nice. Yeah. I really enjoy your podcast and the content guests that you have, a lot of whom are the trades that I have crossed paths with on projects already in my career. DGR Maple Leaf Construction. I noticed one of your episodes, I think it was a DGR episode, you chatted a lot about my age. Millennials. (laughs) Everyone knows, everyone knows. Okay, the trades and how they relate. I would love to touch base and chat about my experience as a millennial in the trades as well as being the youngest person currently working in my company. 21, eh? Yeah, it's good he, for you, man. Good for you for taking that on, for man. Sure. And my journey into the trades and how people my age or younger should explore the trades and or construction in general as a viable and great career path. I think I have some interesting and insightful stories, experiences already in my young career as an apprentice that would be great to chat about. Please, I enjoy talking shop with other trades, people already established in their careers about the way they do things, how I can better my career as a self-car- self-made self carpenter. Hope to chat soon.
and Ryan Connolly. I've actually spoken to Ryan, so he's again on the list, and I'm eagerly looking forward to getting him on the show because I, I know that there's a lot of young guys out there like Jesse, other people that are in their early 20s making a difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean they're making a difference because they get the right attitude, right? That's 100% important, man. Right. Like you and, can't... and the drive. You, I mean, it's not an easy... We're not in an easy business. No. You know, physically is one. Mentally and emotionally is the other oh, one, uh, right? And um, <laughs> you gotta be you you gotta be strong mentally, and you know you gotta be in half decent shape too. To if you're gonna be a carpenter and all that kind of stuff, so, so okay, yeah, there's so nothing wrong with that. As like, many push-ups you guys you guys gotta start doing some brain brain ups or something. <laughs> brain man. ups, yeah. Brain ups, man. <laughs> uh, I want to talk a little bit about the association, Jim. All right. I know that we're skewing towards calling it a mentorship. Yeah. Some sort of mentorship, because that's what I think it's becoming. And so I just want to just discuss it a little bit more for our listeners and try to get an idea of where we're headed with it. What are your thoughts, man? Yeah, I think I think if, if you know, we can get some more feedback from everybody out there and just if that's what they want. What do you guys want? Yeah. What do you guys want? What are you guys looking for? We know that you guys are looking for mentors. You're looking for positive guidance. You're looking for people who have experienced things that you may potentially experience. But we want to hear from you guys. What do you guys want? Yeah, I think so. I mean, because, you know, we can sit here and talk. You know, we can answer questions. But remember, we're only answering it from our experiences, whether they're right or wrong. I mean, we can only give back what we've experienced and, and how we've handled it. You know, again, I, I'm not afraid to say that, you know, I've, I've made mistakes in handling some stuff you know, too. Over, over the years, but I said, it's the only way you're going to learn. may not always be the best way to learn, but. Right. I mean, you know, like, he's, like they say, you know, do what I don't do what I do. Do what I say. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so we really want to hear from you guys on yeah. what you guys are looking forward to and why. And, and yeah. I think it's I mean, important. I think it can be a broad thing. I think it can be a mem- mentorship. Yeah. But I also think it can be a membership of other things. Mentoring is just part of the whole, well, I'll just use the word association again. Yeah. Um, because there'll be others that will be beyond, be beyond. They won't need mentoring, but they'll just need Hey, how did you handle this thing? It's kind of like a round table thing, right? I know, but rubbing elbows with other like-minded contractors or people that are five years ahead of you or five years behind you, it actually adds, you know what I mean? It's, listen, man, like professional athletes don't get better because they keep on playing with the same players. No. They get better. Because they're playing with somebody better. Yeah. So it's the same thing in construction. So you might as well... If we can facilitate somehow that you could rub elbows with somebody that's 5, 10, 20 years ahead of you and what they've done or what yeah. you can improve on, please, by all means, ask us and we'll, we'll help. Yes, you know what? Like I was telling you earlier, I, I spoke to, uh, to Jay from uh, Elite Construction yesterday and, you know, he just sent me an email and just said, look, and he's been in the business, you know, 15 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, he just says he's jumping, like he's he's now getting up into the million dollar projects and he's having a hard time going from lump sum into to cost plus. He was bang on what he said, you know, I'm pretty sure all my competition is cost plus. And I said, there's a reason. There's a reason. I said, you're getting up to the big numbers. And once we explained it all, how it worked, it, it kind of made sense to him. And, um, but there you go. There's a guy that's been in it for 15 years. Yeah. So he's still, I mean, I would call him a veteran, but now he's making the jump to the next level. 
Which and, is, he, and he wants some guidance. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. trying to figure out what are the proper steps. Right. And again, guys, like, you know, I mean, it's taken and I'm, and I'm still not sure that the way we do stuff, our cost plus our, or, or our custom cost plus how we, how we explain it because it's not exactly cost plus, but it kind of follows that format, but it's taken years to figure that out. And I don't even know if that's the mo- the perfect way yet, but it worked. If it works for you and it works for the client, then, Hey, then, then, then it works. Don't reinvent it at that don't point. Reinvent it. Right. But I mean, always don't, don't forget that you're still in a business to make money, to be profitable, to right. move forward, to right. grow, to attract more employees, subs, or anybody, uh, to branch off, to, to do whatever. So don't, don't ever forget that. It's not yeah. a one man shop, one man off kind of thing. Don't ever forget no, that. It's a, it, you know what? I mean, it's a stupid saying, but it's, you know, it's a journey. And as you're, as you're going through it, uh, you know, opportunities will show up and yeah. you decide to go that route. Exactly. I mean, you know, I was well into my business when I was asked to do this show, not this show, like real reno show. And the good part, it was, I could either take it or leave it. You know, I wanted to take it only because we needed the, the industry was a mess still kind still of is, is a mess <laughs> where the, you know, the contractor was always looked at as the guy that's ripping, you know, the yeah. homeowner off when, you know what, you could play that role both ways. Maybe the, maybe the homeowner's ripping the contractor off. I mean, it was, it was good. It was, the timing was right to try to get the information out that, Hey, <laughs> we're not all bandits. No. Most of the problems have usually come from the homeowner. They do. Uh, right. But no one ever sheds light on that because no. I guess we don't want to, or people are nervous if it's going to come back yeah. at them. But three sides to every story, man. Always, always. Three sides. So, I mean, I took a chance doing it and I mean, I got shit on. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a 50, 50 thing. But that's yeah. the thing. You put yourself out there. Yeah. Someone is going to say shit or lots of people are going to say shit. Yeah. And so be it. It's whether it bothers you, that's up to you, man. Like I mean, the, the people that actually got it were the guys that were in the same position. Yeah. The industry. That was it. All right. Uh, Taylor. Taylor from at North Star Building Group. He just wants to share some insight with us. Looking forward to it. Uh, would love to be a part. He's looking forward to the association. Uh, would love to be a part of the process if you're looking for additional help. You know, that would be nice. Uh, this is something that has been missing in the residential sector. I feel if this is done right, it would be the best hands-on tool for any contractor or trade as many aren't fortunate enough to have a trustworthy network within the industry. Anyways, cheers to the success and look forward to seeing the best that is yet to come. Yeah, it is true. I find that in any kind of industry, including the construction industry, there's a lot of people doing things that are just out for themselves. And that's what kind of, you know, kind of upsets me. And that's why when we started talking about the mentorship or the association or whatever we're going to do with it, I wasn't, I was paying attention to what they were doing, but I wasn't, I was grading it. Right. I was going, yeah, that makes sense. No, that doesn't make sense. Right. So it, it always kept on falling back to what and how and who is it going to benefit? So will it help out the typical tradesperson? Right. That's what it, that's the focus here. That's all we want to talk about. So let's but, but go back, Maddie. And look, when you first came to the, to the uh, the round table that yeah. we had, there was no, but you didn't feel like competition there. Did there was you? no threat. No, it was literally rub, rubbing elbows right. with other contractors. Right. 
It wasn't like, oh, you're a dickhead, you're a dickhead. You're... Right. No, no, it wasn't that. It was, you know what? I know of that person. I've never met them. I'm curious about their business. But did you find that most guys were willing just to open up and, a thousand percent. and, and tell a thousand percent. how they do business? Yes. Even though you may be competition outside these yeah. doors. Yeah. But they you know, just say, here, this is how I do it. So one thing I love about the construction industry and any good tradespeople out there, we are always more than willing to share. Yeah. We're not insecure to the point where we're nervous that you're going to take from me. Yeah. When the truth is there's plenty of work out there. There's there's a ton of work out there, and I, and if we can come up with uh, you know a standard amongst ourselves, it only makes it easier for yeah. all of us. Yeah, right. We all rally, right? Then you get more and more clients actually hiring three really good contractors. Yeah, you know, looking at three really good quotes, yeah. and then comparing apples and apples and apples, yeah. and then going, you know what? I'm going to go with this person because I think our personalities just fit the best it's just gonna say that so then it then it comes down to selling it yes and who you are yes right and don't forget about those skills because we are dealing with a younger generation and this you guys probably know this and i already know this is that you guys are so disconnected when it comes to communication skills yes you really got to start performing and perfecting and looking at how to speak in person how to acknowledge your clients, how to acknowledge your trades. How to pick up a phone. Yeah, oh man, phone calls are massive. Yeah. Phone calls are massive. And then don't think that everything could be done through a right. DM or through a text or something like that. Take away that technical wall yeah. and actually go right back to say hello. Right. Meet so them in person. You know what, guys, no, like, you know, you young guys, we're not shitting on you. No. You know, with the, you know, the texting this and that and, and everything else. But the reality is you're selling. You're selling yourself and you need not only to sell yourself, but you also got to win their confidence in you, yeah. which means you may have to say, oh, how's your family? Where do your kids go to school? What are you this? You know, get to know them, get personal with them, you know, to a point, yeah. but they have to feel at ease at across the table from you. They have to feel, you know. Yeah, I like this guy. Yeah, he's a he's family guy. Yep. Maybe you're not a family guy, but you just asked about the family. You're interested. That, there's the word. Be interested in them. But be, gen be genuine. Right. Like, don't do it just as that kind of shady aluminum sales no. siding guy like you know what i'm talking <laughs> the about tin right? man. the tin man the tin man right like like if you honestly ask them an honest question you know what yeah. i mean and and then you're right get to know who you yeah. want to work with because you're going to be working with them for months yeah like bare minimum it's one month you're going to be working with them if for not sure. like maybe bare minimum two months on a, on a yeah. simple rental but then it could be years but guys start performing or just making your, your communication skills that much better. Yeah. When the moment you get the job, that's when you get the job actually works. Like it starts, yes. you yeah. have to, that you still have to hustle. You don't think that, Oh, I got the job cruise control. Yeah. No, 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 no. You got to keep on going. You got to keep that up and you got to be genuine about it. Back with the questions here. Uh, Misha at Misha. Ascala, uh, A-K-S-E-L, is asking, as a young tradesperson wanting to start doing his or her own jobs, what is the skill level recommended to start? He has a bit less than a year of formal education, school and apprenticeship, and wonder if this is enough to start doing smaller side jobs, such as a patching drywall job and things like that. 
Yeah, you know what? I, I agree. Why not? Start doing some handyman stuff. Get your feet wet. Throw yourself into it. Yeah, yeah. And and just know your limitations. If you feel that you're going to overstep your skill level, don't. Because it's only going to set Bite you back. You. Yeah. yeah. So if you, you know, if you're looking at something that a little bit more than a handyman, bring in somebody that knows more than you and make that part of your, of your quote or part of your job. This way you will look that much better. Then this, this will also start to help you managing. Cause that's the next level. That's the next level. At like I don't, I'm not an electrician. I'm not a plumber. No. You know, no. I, so I guess the thing is, I would say, Misha, is that um, take on the little jobs and try to make the little jobs escalate to a slightly bigger little job yeah. and keep going from there. And always look out for those jobs that maybe add one more detail that you're not perfected Perfected, at, right? but you're more than willing to be challenged by it. And again, this is the good thing about social media and online. You could always look it up. Yeah, I would say filter yourself that there are the celebrity wannabes that just want to show the glossy stuff, but they don't really show you the true essence of yeah. what that work is being done. Look for those more raw guys out there that are actually showing you the inside, the rawness, right. the real, and not the glitz the and glam. The guts of it all. The guts of it all, right? And then that's how you're going to learn. And don't be afraid to reach out to them. No. And no. then ask them a question. I go, listen, I want to do a little taping job here. I want to try level five for the first time. What's the best way? What's the Darby I should use? What's the base code? What's yeah. the mesh? Just guys will be willing to let you know that information, right? And from that job, you'll probably take it to like a wainscoting job. Right. And then you're going to ask somebody, what should I use, MDF or Poplar? What glue should I use? And just keep on asking these questions. So start with a little job, take another little job that has a little bit of extra detail, take it to another little job that has two extra details. Before you know it, you're remodeling a bathroom, a kitchen. But But don't do it for the money. No, do it for the education. Right. Like if you feel that you got, oh, you know, I, I've underbid this job and I got to go fast. Don't. It's all about experience. It's all about learning right now. Learning costs money. Yeah. You know, you're still going to make something. You may not make what you wanted to, but look at, I mean, the, the bigger value is what you learned. It's funny how everyone's always worried about, okay, I'm going to lose money here, so I got to speed it up, which means I got to cut some corners. The same way that clients and other tradespeople will see the quality that you put into something, they will see the quality that you don't put into something. Right. So if you want to just shift gears and speed things up to save some money so then you can make money at that point, someone's going to notice. Yeah. So just be careful on that one. Okay, Misha, thanks, man, so much. Chris Goodwin from Chris uh, CG 82 Hey, Manny, hope you're well today. I'm 38, currently serving in the RCAF as an aircraft tech. I used to be a painter back in the early, mid-2000s and had the opportunity to do some work with Jim and Carlito, uh, working with Craig Lowe. That's interesting. Oh, Craig Uh, Lowe, yes. Yeah. First off, love the podcast. Secondly, is it uh, viable for a person at my age to jump from a comfortable career that is not completely fulfilling to carpentry framing? Is the life experience valuable to an employer? And would someone of my vintage be looking down, be looked down upon getting into a real trade so late in life? I look forward to your response. Cheers, Chris. Right off the bat, Chris, I've got to tell you that I got into construction 38. There you go. You know, after I already, I was in the film business. So I got in at 38. So I, you can get in at 48. You can get in at 58. So he's in the Air Force. He's in the Air Force as a tech. Okay. So here's, here's what I say right off the bat. 
You've got more discipline than half the guys already. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say right? that. Yes. Yeah, 100%. It's true. Yes. Yeah. You know, you've got the discipline, you've got the drive. And I don't even know if, I mean, I just assume you have the drive because if you, if you're in the air force, just the shit that they put you through. Right? Well, Will Gunnell talked about that. Right. He went from the military right. into constru- well, yeah. to policing into yeah. construction. Like that discipline is huge. No, I think, you know what? Jump in, man. You will not look down. You will not be looked down upon for sure. Actually, I think you'll be looked up. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, hey, all right, man, like you're 38 years old, which isn't that old. No, I know. <laughs> if you're a 20-year-old, you think that's old, man. Yeah. You're like an old man. No, 38 yeah. is not old, man. And jump into it. And, and like you said, you're in a career right now that's not completely fulfilling. Be happy, man. But that's, that goes right back to that, eh? Always yeah. goes back to the happiness, man. Yeah. So if you're not happy there and you know you could be happy in construction doing carpentry, chase it man seriously yeah, chase it for sure chris thanks so much for the question there um at topline.painting out of hamilton shared some news with us hey man he just finished listening to the latest q a podcast and wanted to chime in about paint prices prices went up four to eight percent this year that's not a lot to say but it is still an increase that's actually a pretty typical just increase increase yeah just just a typical economic increase right uh i'm hearing now from all my paint reps that there will be a big shortage on paint coming soon that is great i just heard this the other day i want to know why it might not affect everyone but the suppliers will be pushing all resources to higher end paints and strictly only selling builder grade paints to the big accounts like developers that's interesting. Apparently, it's due to what's been going on in Texas. Texas the yes, floods, freezing, and hydro. I guess all the paint's done in Texas? Well, there's a, a chemical, I, I think, a, a chemical that they use in the paint. Got it. Okay. Thanks again for putting out the podcast every week. Listen to it every episode. Love it. Keep it up. I want to talk a little bit about the price increases here. So due to this, so how much of an increase are you going to see? Like, are, are we going to see that special treatment where, I think you mentioned this, Jim, the big developers are going to get all the wood before a smaller <laughs> exactly, guy. Exactly, just what we were talking so about. So he's like he's mentioning that the big developers are going to get all the paint, the more economical paint. So how I heard about this, just talking through the, a buddy of mine, Terry, who was on the show. Yeah. One of his buddies, who's a contractor, who I know also, um, he just said, you know, he just started to hoard a bunch of paint. And I go, are you serious? For what? He goes, no. Paint, it's, paint it's, has a shelf life though. Right. Paint has a shelf life. and I. But I guess he knows what he's got coming up. Okay. So it makes sense. And he's just bought all this paint. Well, I mean, you can't go wrong with stockpiling Chantilly lace. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I, for, for the year. Right. For the year. If you start stockpiling for next year, that's going to be a different story. But yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, right off the bat, and we are going to do a show about the pricing, but 48%, sure, that's great. That's kind of in line with what the tile guys are going through with their mortars and mixes. Yeah. They're having a, a typical economical increase. But yeah, are, are we at the point where all trades should start stockpiling? Like, well, I don't you, know. I mean, how do you do it? Okay, so you're going to rent a space, you're going to rent a storage unit, you're going to start doing that, you're going right. to start putting on, and then you've got to be Kreskin and assume what work is going to be coming down the pipe. Yeah. And then what if you don't? So is it going to benefit you? I don't know. That's a hard question to answer. Is so, it- you know what? I mean, let's, let's, while we're talking about it, maybe this is something now, not even maybe, this is the hardcore conversation you got to have with your clients. Hey, 
we're only at the framing stage right now. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get paint. So just so you know, <laughs> I don't want to take the heat. Yeah. When we're held up for a couple months waiting for the right this, that, everything, because that's where it's going. It was interesting that I was about a month away from needing some bat insulation and the client wanted to go with Rockwell. And then I got a message from somebody saying there's a shortage. And I'm like, what do you mean there's a shortage? I don't understand how there's a shortage. But apparently there was a rumor there was a shortage going on and there wasn't really a shortage. So when I was ready for it, I put an order in. There was a slight shortage. I had to go to a certain store to get it, but I did get it. And I found it interesting that they didn't have an increase. They're one of the products out there right now that hasn't increased. Hmm. So you got to kind of, we're going to talk about the increase later on, but you got to wonder what's, why and what is going up and what's going, nothing's going down. Well, probably scare tactics. And you think that's what it is? Some, that's what it is? Some. Well, lumber, I just, you know. Oh, man, that, that lumber. We'll get into that later. But we'll get, It's like ding, 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 yeah, ding. You know what I'm talking about? Insane. Let, let's get it. Okay, Mr. Smith is back. <laughs> Mr. Smith is back. Our friendly neighborhood building inspector replied back to a bunch of questions from the last show. Uh, here we go. I got a good page here worth of stuff. So let's go. I listened to the more recent episode 129 where you guys had some more questions. Here's my input below. Of course, coming back on the show would be, expedite this back and forth. Ha ha. One day soon, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> One day soon. The example I gave about following your drawings being helpful for future homeowners was just an example of why this would need to be followed. The fact that the building code act says specifically that you need to build to your drawings is enough reason for me and should be for you to do just that. The Building Code Act is the law, just like the Highway Traffic Act, but yet everybody speeds. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Jim mentioned switching out Taipar for a different product. I think that is far too small of a change to have someone correct on their drawings. I would possibly ask for a revision where a window is added, lintel sizes have been reduced, or the orientation of the floor joists have been altered. Uh, as a few examples, I believe it would be the inspector's discretion to draw the line where a change needs to be accounted for in a revision. Ultimately, they, the inspector is the one signing off on your permit on behalf of the city, so what they are comfortable passing up, uh, up is up to them. Uh, within reason, of course. But yeah, you, no, I agree. Did you mention changing. the type part thing like, uh, that an inspector asked? I think we did. Yeah. I think we did. Um, but the inspector wanted you to note that on the drawing because you guys didn't use the type part. You used uh, the Owens Corning. We used the Owens Corning. Yeah. So was the inspector requesting a revision note? I don't, I can't remember. Um, did I, I, I can't remember that. Yeah. No, I don't know if that was the case. But he's saying that he doesn't... But then again, okay, he's saying that... That's right, but that's up to the inspector. Yeah, and then it's the same thing with the Highway Traffic Act. So if you right. get pulled over and you have a certain density of tint on your window, it's up to the constable yeah. that pulls you over, whether I can see you or not, right. and actually give you a summons. Right. But they still another, sell it. Exactly. They still do it. You still install it. And then all of a sudden, another constable can say, no, no, I can see you. It's fine. I'm yeah. not going to give you a summons. So are yeah. we at that kind of stage where... You know what? I think, I think, again, it just boils down to the inspector. You For know, sure. Even if it's, you know, even if, you know, like you said, there's been a lintel change or the windows got smaller. Got that makes smaller. sense. That makes sense if it's huge. Again, just to go through, a, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think 
where I, you know, kind of come from with or come at this is if you have to revise it, we have to take it back to the architect. It's another cost to the to the homeowner. And I think, you know, okay, well, we made the we made the window six inches wider. And instead of, you know, two two by eights as a header, we put three two by eights. I mean, I think we can all agree that it's better. It's better. Um, and you know, if not, then we'll change it to two two by tens. But I you know, to go through a revision, it's just gonna cost the client that much more money. And and what do you think happens, Mr. Smith, when you have to go back to the client and ask for more money? Like, who yeah. do you think is the one that's going to get the brunt of that? Yeah, not not you. Not the inspector. No, we are. We are. Yeah. He brings up the point. Remember the, that we were discussing that walkout or that at the walkout, the window well situation where I was three and a half feet away from the footing. So he brings up that and he says, uh, the contradiction you pointed out between following your drawings and their being mistakes made on the drawings gave me a good laugh. It does happen where a plans uh, examiner will miss something, but this is obviously not something that would allow you to not comply with the minimum requirements of the Ontario Building Code. The person who prepared your drawings also made the mistake of submitting drawings that didn't meet the OBC. So now we're pointing the finger at the architect. So I would imagine some blame should be taken by them as well. <laughs> Read the fine print on the drawings. It's it's pointed at the contractor again. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, it was drawn, submitted. It was drawn according to the OBC incorrectly. It was submitted. It was approved as a mistake based on the examiner. And now it was caught by an inspector. And now the inspector is asking for the GC, in turn asking for the client to pay for an architect and or engineer to sign off on that six inch variance of being too close to the footing. Right. But now we go back to the building inspector is not going to go and have a conversation with the homeowner to get the extra cost for the letter to submit no. to the and city. Or is he going to go back to the plan examiner and say, Hey, you missed this. So how about if we just split the cost, the city pays for half of that. <laughs> we'll pay for half. No, we'll, we'll go three ways then, you know, a third, the yeah. client, third, the city, third, the contractor. That's not going to happen. It's going to be a hundred percent, the client. That's Always what's going to happen. Yeah. And then that's going to be residue left with the GC when it comes towards the end of the job. And if you get enough of those little residue payment situations, you have the potential to have a bad client. Yeah. Right. So that's yeah. why I mean, I, I mean, most contractors would probably pick up on it as they're, yeah. as they're doing it. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, I mean, I guess we can agree to disagree on some of this stuff. <laughs> and he brings up on this other side note. So he goes, I don't want to imply that whatever me and the building department does is always right. I am just as capable of making a mistake just like anyone. I have gone through some phases of how I act and treat people, and I have landed on the mindset that if I point something out I believe needs to be addressed, you are welcome to provide documentation or code reference, etc., to show I am wrong. If I was wrong in my interpretation or understanding, I am happy to admit that and I'll move on as needed. I am really trying to not let my personal feelings get in the way of these types of issues. But it's so hard not to let the right, but there's been times too where, you know, we've had a engineer's report stamped and everything else. Some inspectors still try to override it. They do. So, so how does how does that work? Yeah, you I mean your your ass is covered. The liability's so. already been transferred away from yeah. the city. So why do we have? I mean, I think then it just becomes 
a personal grudge match. That's a pissing match. Yeah. At yeah. that point. Uh, he talks about, do cities get sued often? I'm not too sure, but I know it does happen. I have heard stories from colleagues of them attending discovery meetings and having to testify regarding past permits. That certainly is something I would want to protect against. We have a leg legislative requirement to inspect construction at a certain stages. Not doing that or doing a poor job can lead to lawsuits, which no one wants to be involved in. I imagine a lawyer involved in a construction law would have a better idea of how often cities get sued related to building permits. I don't know how else you could recover any costs associated with building to drawings that the city reviewed that had made mistakes that ended up costing your uh, thousands of dollars to fix other than to sue the city. I've had plans examiner. I've had plan examiners make mistakes on plans I am inspecting and it sucks because now I have to be the person on site telling someone they have to spend money to fix a mistake that was likely caused by, by my, my department. It's not good for anybody. Oh, you know what? So he just answered everything we just spoke about five Bas minutes ago. Exactly. Basically. You know, right? Thank you, Mr. Smith. <laughs> you know, this is, we're on the same page now. <laughs> all we want to do is work together. That's all we really want to do. Yeah. Jim's question from the last show. What if the homeowner doesn't want you in their home? We were questioning that if that's the yeah. case or what's the story. So the BCA, the Building Code Act, actually speaks to this, and so does the law generally. If memory serves me correctly, the Magna Carta was a document drafted many years ago that had that classic saying, your home is your castle. That would be the same reasoning of thinking with construction sites as well. If I am wrong about that, you can just edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> the BCA section 16 essentially says an inspector should not enter or remain in any room or place actually being used as a dwelling unless you have consent or a warrant. I don't have endless power and I don't want to cause confrontations either. Personally, if anyone on site was getting somewhat aggressive or was giving me the impression they didn't want me there, I would try to wrap up as quick as needed to leave and let everyone cool down. I've had contractors yell and swear at me and try to insult me, and I've had to just say, I'm leaving, have a nice day. I agree with them. I mean, it should never get to that. To that point. I've been involved where I wasn't yelling at the inspector, my one of my trades was <laughs> <laughs> and um and i had to calm the trade down because it doesn't end it does, it just doesn't end it well. doesn't end well for either side and thank god you know what i mean he got he got a little heated up and then um he actually called the building inspector and apologized later oh good for him and, and i didn't you know i just said dude like this was you were wrong it got a little... It got out of a hand, yeah. I mean, just because you, just like the building inspector said, yeah, I know you've been doing it like this for 30 years, but you've been doing it wrong for 30 years. Yeah, so. it's the same thing. And that, that could be a, a true yeah. statement, right? But it is, yeah, so it is true. So that, and, I, and you know what, Mr. Smith, I feel for you sometimes. I know when, when you come on, everybody kind of gets their back up sometimes. And that's the shitty part of being a building inspector. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I, I respect you guys 100%. Do I agree with you all the time? No, no, but I respect you, what you do. And, you know, and I, and I think of those times where you've been yelled at and, you know, and you, you feel that you just may as well just get off the site because it's not going to help any. You're there to do a job. 
we're there to do our job and you know there has to be some kind of happy medium somewhere that we can all just work together and get you know because at the end of the day i mean the client really just rules and dictates everything how it all goes down financially um, you get these old dogs though contractors and instead of trying to be confrontational why not just ask the inspector a few solutions why don't you just say okay can i do this can i do that like make some alternatives instead of and see right. if that would please the inspector. See, I, th I think the problem is some of us old guys just don't like a young inspector coming and telling us how to you do you think it. that's what it is yeah i do I do. You I mean, had, me, I don't. I mean, me. I every. I don't care how old you are. You know, if you're really young and you're coming in and you know and going, you know, this, 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 and this. You know, I'm going to challenge you. Sure, for sure, I will. You sure, know, whether I'm going to win or not doesn't matter. But I, but I'm going to do it in a nice way. But I know there are some old school dudes out there, man. That they're gonna they're gonna go head to head uh, with they you. Will you know? To be honest, Jim, I don't think I've had inspector more than i'd say 45 years old that would be the max yeah. age i've seen I've, I've seen plenty of late 20 early 30 year olds yeah. inspectors yeah. but I, I one or two 45 i i doubt if i've seen an inspector in yeah. their 50s unless they're you know keeping their age really I hidden. Had, well I, I had one which uh was in our area for a long time and now he's moved downtown a bit uh, he was in his 50s yeah mid 50s great i and you know what he was a builder Okay. And, you know, we related on everything. And there was things that he said, ah, Jim, you don't know that we got to, we got to do this. Yeah, okay, man. Sure. I mean, why would I challenge you? You, you do the same thing I do. Yeah. And you have a job to do. So there's that common ground when you, I know you've been actually doing yep. this for 30 years before you became an inspector. Yep. Yeah. I, like I said before, it, I think it would be nice for a building inspector. I know he said well, earlier that's that that's the he, next one that he brings oh, okay. up. <laughs> All right. Because we did cross that we, one, right? We did, but he still says, um, I still don't see how on-site experience is going to benefit the inspector. We aren't there to be uh, lenient. Uh, I guess it depends on what the issue is, but that will be up to the individual inspector to argue or let go. Uh, we always rely on OBC because that is the main regulation we are on site to enforce. I know it happens, but we aren't on site to look at your work or form a personal opinion or on whether or not the work is meeting the OBC. I'm sure it would help bridge the gap between book knowledge and site knowledge, but I don't see where the benefit would really be. The OBC sets out the minimum requirements. Either you meet them or you don't. And my ability to know how to place rebar, nail together trusses, or install vapor barrier wouldn't change that. Okay, again, an engineer usually comes out for the rebar. Yeah, so you have all this In documentation. The, the trusses are already engineered. Engineered. Yeah, he he takes the trust layout and looks at it, make sure all the you know everything's in place. No, well, you know what? This is one that we'll just never see. Agree eye to eye disagree, on. but <laughs> I, I think that I is, don't see how it will. I don't see it how it could hurt. Hurt. I only see it can be a more positive. I think it's a. I think it's a respect thing. I think that if both sides have respect for each other, like we know the inspectors are coming on site and they're enforcing the Ontario Building Code. We know the the inspector knows that the contractors on site and they want to build the best that they can build. Yeah. How about we just kind of meet in the middle and respect both sides to begin with? Well, we have to. I don't yeah. think we have much choice, right? No. Uh, how far behind is the OBC from the? NBC? That was my next question. 
So the National Building Code versus the Ontario Building Code. I don't know, he says. I have also heard similar timelines of two to four years, but I have never seen anything saying what the delay actually is. I would guess there is more money and time being directed at advancing the National Building Code versus the Ontario Building Code. Um, I was always under the impression that the, the Ontario Building Code is four to five years behind behind yeah the, the, okay so we what we all agree is that our provincial building code is behind our national building code right why don't we but just, what about okay so let's take it to the next one where are how far are we behind in uh, what's the word i'm looking for adding to the building code like up like updating updating the building code i think we're years behind on that i agree with you i would say anywhere from two to four yeah probably closer to four yeah. I guess the other argument too is why don't we just have one board, one one code across the, the city? I, I mean, Canada is not that dramatically different in the climate, in the climate, climate, right? No, not at all. But I mean, really, you look at, I mean, you, well, I mean, as the further you go out west, nobody uses brick that much. No, it's all siding or cladding. It's all or, stucco yeah. or siding. Yeah, that's or what something. it is, right? Eight hours for framing inspection. Remember that story? Yeah. That seems pretty crazy to me. Perhaps this person was newer or less familiar with framing, but I hope that it's not something happening often. Depending on the size of the house, it can oftentimes take me up to two to two and a half hours, but that would also be with HVAC and plumbing. Maybe they had a slow day and needed somewhere to stay busy. <laughs> no, he's been removed from the area. That was... No, that was... that was. Um, he was just being... Yeah, it was just being... Mm, I know. Ah, yeah. We'll say it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know that homeowner... Uh, I know that the homeowner is the taxpayer who is the one paying for the permit. I was just trying to distinguish that all taxpayers are not paying for all of our wages, just the ones who apply for the permits. Yeah. Okay. We know that. Okay, we agree. That's one that we can agree on. Uh, you is mentioned... That enti- is, is that where all their wages come from? Just the permits? He says that whoever applies for permits, that's where their, their wage comes from. Hmm. Interesting. But I'm sure there's got to be other funding sources to I would think so. I don't admit think and all ever, kinds of stuff that's going on there. enough money to do that. You got, cause is, who's paying for the examiners? It's true. Right. I don't think there's not. I think, you know, taxpayers dollar goes to the, some of that. I mean, an average permit nowadays is what? 10 K for no, a new build. No, I don't think so. That's that much. It's a little bit like 8 K or something. I don't even know if it's that much. So, I mean, it would take an inspector how many times? Three, four visits during the course of the build? At least. But then the examiner as well, too? Weeks, months. So out of that 6 to 8K, that's covering all those fees? I don't know. There's got to be more money being pumped into that. That's why, yeah. I guess there's other municipal... And I'm not... Hey, Mr. Smith, I'm not not saying you're wrong. No, no. I just just can't see it financially how the the city could just live off... Sustain it. But they have to sustain it because right. we need it. Right. Uh, last one here. You mentioned uh, you mentioned that inspectors can request reports and information, and this slows down the job. You also mentioned that they might not even accept the report after they have it. That makes sense to me. I have to review the report to verify it covers what is needed. I cannot just blindly accept any report if it does not satisfy what I am looking for. If you order a medium rare steak and get a burnt piece (laughs) of shoe leather, you're going to send it back. (laughs) But I'm talking about, well, again, I'm sure he'll clarify this on the next round, but engineer report. 
know, he was talking about rebar, this, that, and everything else. Well, in most jobs that we have, pretty much we always have the engineer come out and give us the report and say, yes, you can move forward. He's reviewed his, you know, the way the rebar is supposed to be put in. Done. Hallelujah. I've always been of that mindset that if I... Like, who's the authority over that? Like, it kind of trumps it. Like, it just... Right. Your liability is going elsewhere now. But yeah, he's saying I have to validate that report. But if you've got an engineer's stamp and their association attached to it and it's legitimate, you could probably follow up with the engineer and just right. confirm that that's just not some made-up person there. But wouldn't their certification be on file? Wouldn't they be a part well, of it? Well, we always send it into the inspector. Yeah. Right, once we get it. Interesting. Uh, Mr. Smith, thank you so much. Yeah, no, these are, you know what? These are great. Uh, this is this is really good. Yeah, and I wouldn't eat that steak either. That's no, just I wouldn't me, eat, no, but no. no. <laughs> Even though my old man used to make all our steaks like shoe leather. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was good for a while. It was good That's for a while. That's why we got good jaw muscles. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving along. Um, Adam from uh, Ozo Construction out of Ottawa. Podcast is on fire, guys. Love all the content. Jim is the real deal. And I always feel like a better tradesman after listening to you guys. I've got a question for you regarding permits. Well, that's <laughs> <fitting>. Mr. Smith. 70% <laughs> of my work is hardscapes and 30% is interior rentals. Usually my clients get the permits either as a GC or a homeowner, so never had to apply for one personally. One of my clients is asking if I can apply for the permit as part of the job, and I feel like it's about time I know how to do this. First question is, what should I charge my client for the permit? What are the fees on a basement rental? Second question is, how easy is it? Much love from Ottawa. Yeah, you know what? It's I, I wouldn't say it's it's yeah, you know what? It, it's easy, but it's just going to take time. It's so you got to right, it's your time. So you have to figure out the time. You know, again, I don't know I haven't gone to get a permit in so many years because the architect always does that now. I was doing it all the time in the beginning. So how much time did it take you? Too much. Right. It was like you would submit something and all of a sudden if you're missing one little detail, it you couldn't move right. forward. It would take forever to get an email from the city back to let you know that you're missing a detail. Right. And then it would take more time. And then all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, this week I'll submit it. I'll get it approved in a couple of weeks or four weeks. Then I can start the job. And then that doesn't happen. And all of a sudden you started the job because you got to stay on schedule. Yeah. I got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I'm offloading that to the architect now. Yeah. It's so, part you of You know what? I would, um, I, I would charge a couple thousand bucks. Yeah. I, that's what I was doing. For time? Just for your time. And then once you get the, the fee for the permit, you just tack that on. And the other thing that I also tack on was my time for the actual inspections. So I would have to sit around and wait for the inspector. Now, most building inspectors here in Toronto are pretty good. They'll They're give you a window, pretty, yeah, yeah. you know, and they'll, they'll show up on that time. And even some, some guys are great to the point where they'll actually text you or call you and let you know, yeah. I'm running a little bit late. One took a little bit longer. I'm going to be an hour later than what I scheduled. Yeah. And I like that. As for the ESA, that's a different story, but right. I won't get that down the road. But I would just say, yeah, if you want to try it out just for the experience of it, might as well just do it. The city does it online now. It's a little more challenging with COVID and yeah. all that bullshit that's going on. But do it. Try it out. I would say two grand and then maybe tack on another 500 bucks just for your time to babysit the, babysit, the inspector. Right. Yeah. Because you're going to, depending on the scope of the work there, you're going to eat up some time. Some time. Plus, it's yeah. going to shut down your job site because yeah. all the other thing is that the inspector will not enter the property now, if there's right. more than one trade in there. Yeah. So you're going to have to kick everybody out and then he comes in and, and does, does his, his inspection yeah. and then 
kick everybody back in. Yeah. So just factor all those things. And, and I would say try it, but I guarantee you, Adam, that you're going to end up going right back, back to, to the way you're doing give it to the architect. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. But definitely try it out. Thanks so much for listening, man. Kira V Designs Builds. Kira V Design Build asks, I don't remember his name. I'm really sorry about that. How you doing, Manny? I've been following you for your personal account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It guides us young contractors and also helps us grow the podcast. My ex-boss used to do that too, but since I started my own business, they weren't happy and never stayed in touch. Sharing knowledge. That's why he listens to the podcast. But now his ex-boss is not sharing knowledge anymore. So trust me when I say this, you're a big guiding light to all of us. I have a small issue that comes up a lot with clients. They want to know itemized estimates. Okay, let's talk about itemized estimates, right? So they want to know what framing is costing, what drywall is costing, paint, trim, work, tiling, etc. Per room. So they can evaluate what could be pushed for future and what could be done now. If by chance I give them a few details about anything, they start comparing individual quotes to market other painters and so on and so on. The electrician is charging X amount for pot light. Well, you're charging X amount for this pot light, right? What are you charging? That's they start asking, right? It becomes annoying trying to explain ourselves about how we have everything on the books, licenses, insurance, high paid uh, professionals with good workmanship and better tools to achieve such quality work. We can compete with cheaper contractors, but clients always compare. How do you guys deal with these situations? Do you provide itemized estimates? I provide a project estimate with some optional add-ons. I would highly appreciate it if you could talk about this. Thanks. I guess there's a couple of different ways. Again, it all depends on the size of the job. You know, the stuff that we're doing now, I mean, it's fairly big. So we have almost 200 items on our budget sheet. Each. Whoa. Right. So yeah, but you um, need those 200. Right. And then, and, and it kind of itemizes everything, but not down to the point where you, where you're just explaining about it right now. So, you know, we, we would have, you know, a demo cost an excavation cost, and then the foundation cost and a framing cost, but that's all one big lump number. You know, you build the 4,000 square foot house, you know, let's say your framings, whatever, 80,000, and then the next line is framing material. You know, that's probably in this day and age, probably 150,000. <sighs> we'll get into that. We're and then, talk about. you know, then as you go, the foundation is X amount of dollars. This it. But we're not going to. And then when we get to the electrical, it's a number. We're not saying how many pot lights are in it. In the estimate from the electrician, he's saying how many pot lights he's going to put in. And then when you get to that point with your client, you know, they're going to say, oh, okay, so it's $50,000 for electrical. How many pot lights is that? And then you just go to your book and say, here, there you go. It's, you know, 90, 90 pot lights yeah. or whatever. If this is a small renovation that you're doing, you know, a couple rooms, I, you know what? I can see why they want it with broken down. I mean, it, it is a pain in the ass. Totally. That's how you have to do it. If you, if you're looking at the job, right. If you want the job or you, you, you know, you put down, you know, I just did this small little job and then right now I just put, you know, demos, this carpentry, this electrical is this and plumbing is this no detail on it. Cause I don't even, I don't even know what the detail is yet. Yeah. So I know, you know what, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough one when you, when they start picking it apart. But not to sound like an asshole. Again, I think this is when you 
you have to step up to the plate. And not even step up to the plate. I guess this is when you have to put your foot down. Just go, you know what? This is what I need for the project. This is how I broke it down. Give me the job. And then if you want to take a couple little things out here and there, then I'll do it. But really, we're talking about, you know, a couple hundred bucks here, a couple hundred dollars there. You can tell with the quotes you have in front of you. And if you've had an interview with them, who do you want to work with? Yeah. Period. I mean, you know what, guys? I mean, again, if you're going to be nickel and dime to death, then it's probably the job you don't want. That's the other thing that you got to start right? looking at. So you you really need to look at it that way. And you have, a, I mean, I'm not in front of the person. You're in front of the person. You're the one that have the gut feel. You're going to know if you can work with this person. But I find when when it when the when the tires are getting kicked, now it's getting down to how much is a pot light? You know, how much is a receptacle? You know, you got to question whether or not you want to work with them. Yeah. You know, it I'm might, sorry. I mean, you know what? I mean, it's, I mean, I'd not to be arrogant or anything like that, but you know, it comes to time, like, you know, again, guys, my time is worth something and I'm not here to pick out everything. Like if it's maybe you're, maybe it's just not your client. I did reply back to him and I just say like along those lines, I shared some stuff. I do get more and more broken down on my estimates, but I don't reveal everything to the client at that moment. I do it for my own business sense. Right. So then when I know all the trades are coming in, I know exactly what they're giving me for their scope. Yeah. So if the scope does change a little bit, I can discuss that with the tradesperson. If the client comes along and wants to ask about, okay, well, how many pot lights are we putting in here? I, I generally, when it comes to electrical, I always kind of refer back to as per the electrical safety authority. So they're asking for receptacles every 12 feet. They're asking for pot, all that stuff, right? So As per code. As per code is what yeah. I'm telling the clients. If they want to just get more information from that point, then I'll start saying, yeah, we actually budgeted for 10 pot lights for this one area here right. at this cost per pot light. If the client starts saying, well, I can go to Home Depot and buy a pot light for, then I go, well, I already know what kind of person you are. Yeah. And then I'm not going to be interested in working with you because if we haven't even started the job. This is where it's going. This is where it's going. So yeah. I think that you... To be very fair, I would say you do your homework and put it all together and get all the information from your trades and your subs and get all that information. Have it ready to express to yep. the client. If they don't ask, then you have it. You run your business. If they do ask, then it becomes a question of character and personalities. Yep. And then you make the decision whether or not you want to move forward on this job. And if they want to nitpick at that time, you got to put your hands up maybe and go focus on another client that's probably going to give you another job instead yep. of worrying about this one that's going to be arguing with you in the beginning for $50. Yeah. Well, yeah, and if they're willing to go to Home Depot and buy the stuff, I you know most likely you're not going to get the job. Yeah. That's that's that would be my feel. That's true. At Jake underscore Buckman. Hey Manny, love the podcast. I have a construction question from down here in Pennsylvania. Nice. My partner and I have a small business focusing on kitchen and bath renovations. This past year we had have had the opportunity to work with a premium home renovator in our town. We are learning a ton working with him. He treats us well. We treat him well. He pays us by the hour. We have solely been working his jobs for the past few months. Is it worth sticking around him for a while at the cost of losing most of our client base? Thanks for all you and Jim do. It has changed our business. If you have any stickers, feel free to send one my <laughs> way. Don't worry, Jay. I did, Jake. I sent them off. You're probably going to get them any day now. Um, so is it worth hanging around and 
he's a golden goose. He's got some money. It's coming in there. He's feeding them is everything's well, but what if he dries up or what if he says, I don't want to work with these guys anymore and they've ignored their current client base. It's going to hurt. Maybe you don't ignore them. Yeah. Maybe you, why can't you do both? Yeah. Maybe you stay in touch with them. If they're, maybe they're looking for smaller jobs that you guys can do on the side or something. Right. I don't think you ignore them. No, no. I think, I mean, if you ever want to get back on your own, you have to make, you have to make the leap. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if business is, if it's busy and it sounds like a lot of remodeling stuff is busy everywhere, maybe it's time, you know, it's true. It's nice that the money's coming in. He's yeah. giving you the, the flow there, but then I still would not, I, I've always said, stay in touch with your past clients that you like, yeah. man. drop them a line every so often. Just look, you're going to make a living. Yeah. Is that, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if it's, it's steady, you're making a living, but if you guys want to be on your own and you know, it's going to be more work, but the upside is that much more. Exactly. So, but yeah, you know what? I think, um, start dabbling in some of your, with your old clients. Don't let them, don't let it disappear. No. Cause they'll Cause find somebody else for sure. Right? And it's hard enough to build that client base yeah, or, or that contractor base, whatever you're into so yeah no i i wouldn't i would not let it go at hamilton drywall between me and you i recently had my truck broken into that sucks i had left some tools in there because i worked really late and didn't consider the mischief people that can cause into the really late hours of the night anyways next morning i went to my truck and found out someone broke the windows and help themselves to what I had in the truck. Main point is these criminals are professionals because they seem to go in and out and get the most important and valuable things they see. What they might consider in value differs because they left the expensive flusher set in a case worth thousands altogether and went for the DeWalt batteries and drills, uh, which are expensive, but not as much as the other items that left in the truck. He hopped inside the, through the window and rummaged around the glove compartments, threw everything around and ran off. The tool, a large case that contained expensive handles for taping, but didn't think they had value, so they tossed it aside point I wanted to make is that we as tradespeople rely on these tools and also somewhat rely on the basic security of door alarms, which if you smash the window and open the door will open. But these thieves know this, so they just go through the windows without opening the doors. I was somewhat comfortable with the basic security on my truck, but now to better protect myself, I will be investing in an aftermarket alarm system worth about 650 that has sensors. If they smash the windows amongst other things, the alarm will sound. I think it would be great if you were to talk about what people can do better protecting their investments. I think 650 is nothing compared to the anxiety and stress my partner and I felt that morning when we found out we got robbed. We were devastated because we work very hard for our business and investments. Uh, alarms would ring if the if the door opened. So it sucks. Yeah, I wonder if he's driving a van. So I mean, my suggestion if you're if you're purchasing a van and you're going to get a van. Get the one without the windows, without the windows in the back. Yeah. You know, so it makes it a lot harder to get in there. Yeah. And yeah. always, uh, I, and, and put the, and put the, uh, partition up behind this, yeah. behind the, uh, seats and don't leave anything. I know sometimes you'll, you'll just jump in the cab and you'll just throw whatever tools you have in the cab, but then someone can look right in. And I've always taught young guys, don't leave change in the cup holder. 
because that's enough of a reason for somebody just to yeah. smash windows and get it and, and then grab it. And like you said, they don't open a door, man. They just smash the window and get in yeah, there. A lot of it. Sometimes, you know, it's just drug users needed some money and they did. That's and what I it think is. that's why they took all the batteries. Yeah. Easy to sell. They'll get the bigger thing. Five, ten too bucks. Too hard to carry. Exactly. And um, yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the alarm system's great. But if you're, you know, for guys that are in the marketing going to get, you know, and you want a van for work i would get with you know without the windows i've always said it it was funny that even lately in the last year i've had lumber uh, delivered and i've always questioned should i just leave it on the driveway or should i just carry it and put it into the garage and and these days i carry it and put it in the garage you have to because i just i swear that there might be a possibility someone driving by and they'll see and they'll take it so i've always left my work truck or whatever in a position that if it does get broken into it doesn't devastate me. Right. It, it still hurts because I don't like it uh, and I don't want it to happen to me, right? But the thing is, I've heard it happen to so many guys. I've had it happen like it's drug users just grabbing some quick cash and I've had a light stolen from me. And I'm like, so like contractors just don't steal with some petty light. Right. But, but I've also heard of other fly-by-night contractors have broken in and stolen. For sure. And they'll do that drive-by. Hey, hey, you guys looking for some tools? Yeah. That bullshit, right? Well, I and told I, you that story when yeah. they brought my tools back. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you get the tools from? Oh, I got them somewhere. Yeah, you yeah. know, you stole them from somebody and you're asking a contractor right now to buy someone else's Tool tools that were guy. stolen. Yeah. So I'm like, dude, that's not cool. And if you want, I could be taking down your license plate right now, whatever. But... That's the sad thing. It it really sucks. I think you just protect yourself a little better and just watch out. And and those little those nights that you're exhausted and you're coming yeah. home and you're thinking, I won't carry that in there. You know what? Maybe take the five ten and just carry it in and just yeah. protect it. Yeah. And, and then you can start the next day knowing that you didn't get yeah all that stuff taken out. Or right? you know, if you can even back your truck up against the wall. That's always a good one too. I do that as right. well. So yeah. it makes it a little more difficult. Uh, Lorenzo. Uh, he, you actually know who he is I at do. super seven, <laughs> super seven group. Hey man, he loved this show. New listener stumbled upon it, finding out what Jim was up to the Godfather <laughs> during these turbulent times. I missed the renovation round table. He used to do it in Niagara Falls. I learned so much talking to other contractors, breaking bread and having a drink. I really wish, uh, he would start that up again at any cost. Tell him I say hello. Give him a double kiss for me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. P.S. Send me some stickers. I did send some stickers. So you remember Lorenzo, right? Yeah, I do. Thank you. Brother. Was he was he attending like all the time or was yeah, he, was he there a lot? A lot. huh? Yeah. Good for him, man. It's good that he actually just found, you know, he was searching for you online like a good stalker would and uh, <laughs> and found out that he, you're doing a podcast, which is great. And uh, thanks so much for listening, Lorenzo. So, yeah. you know what? It's going to happen. Thanks for the double kiss, brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen, right? Uh, so, here it is. Let me see here. Uh, the last question we got going on here. Aaron from East Idaho, or sorry, East underscore Idaho underscore Carpenter. Manny, thanks for bringing Jesse Barbosa on the podcast. He's become a huge inspiration for me. I'm 24, a framing foreman for an in-house crew, framing multi-unit townhomes. Glad to see a young guy killing it in the framing industry. Love the podcast. Huge fan from the U.S. Idaho, I would say. Yeah. 
Nice. That's, that's where he's from, right? So, Aaron, thanks so much for listening, man. Uh, we really I appreciate think, I, it. It's really cool that these, you know, this is in the U.S. Like we're getting all the young guys and guys yeah. across the country, like all over the U.S., are reaching out and just listening to us, which is great. I know that sometimes, guys, when we talk about our building code, it doesn't jive with your building codes it, down it there. Can't be far off. No, I it mean, can't. It, and maybe different parts. You know, if you're further south, you you don't have to do the foundations the way we do. No. But crawl spaces, they'll do. Yeah, but yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, building's building. Yeah, I mean, we got guys in Sweden and Denmark, and they're yeah. talking to us. So building, yeah, you're right. Building is, there's some fundamentals that are very, yeah. very similar. Uh, but so, no, we, we really appreciate that you guys are all listening and, and checking it out. That's all I got for you here, Jim. This is what's, that's that what's going lot, on. Man. So, guys, that's, 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 thank you so much for being a part of it and letting us know about all this stuff. And uh, what else and again, you want to we just about? keep saying, like, be part of it because you are part, you are this. This is it. For sure. Without you guys, we don't have this. And the only way we're going to make this better, this industry better, is getting more of you on board. Anything else you want to chat with? we got a few more minutes here. Oh, well, we're going to talk about lumber prices. Well, that's a whole other show. show. Oh, like, okay. That's All just right. like, this is just... Stay tuned for the other show. Yeah, yeah. So, so I know that it all started with two guys, and we'll talk about this on another show that we're going to do. Jarrett from uh, Pacific... Pacific uh, Renovating out Wester in Calgary. Yeah. Uh, he reached out to me. He sent me a message earlier this week and he's like, Manny, call me. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, fine, Jared, I'll call you. It's like Wednesday morning or something like that. I'm calling him at nine my time and it's like seven his time. And he's like, dude, are you like um, dealing with the lumber prices here? That's going on. I was going, yeah. What are you guys at? He goes, we're hitting 10 and we're hearing a rumor of 14 for a two wow. by four. So we got talking for a little bit, we're, and then all of a sudden, uh, Maz, Maz reached out to me, and he was like talking to me about it, and he was asking me, "Listen, can you speak about this?" And it almost became like wildfire. Then I did a post where I was uh, early morning, seven a.m. at Home Depot, and I just walked by at the corner of my eye, I saw a tag for three quarter ply square edge, eighty three ninety eight. No. $83.98, the corner of my eye. And I, I shit you not, because I bought three-quarter ply three weeks ago, and it was 62 As I looked at this, the corner of my eye, and I don't have the greatest peripheral, but it's good, I saw the staff literally changing every single price on every single piece of lumber item. They didn't get to the 2 by 4 just yet. And I literally was watching this as if it was the apocalypse. Like, I was just like, this is insane. If you do the math... A lift of ply is what, about 150 sheets? 80. Is it 80 sheets? Yeah. Okay, so I did it at 150, right? But the thing is, if you do 80, that's $8,000 for a lift of ply. Like, Jim, gone are the days of framing a house 3,000 square foot where your lumber material package would be 30 grand. Wow. If you're spending 8,000 just on ply. So we, the, the rash, the wildfire of questions and comments from social media came in from so many passionate contractors that I just said, yeah, we are going to talk about it, but I want to make it a separate show because we have to talk about it. Yeah. And so we'll discuss that. We'll bring that up. But I just, I mean, I, I, guys, keep on sending me the questions. I, I compile them. I put them together. We get them all ready. We do a show. So there's going to be another Q&A, part five. It'll continue. We'll continue answering all these questions. Once again, I just want to do another shout out for Reynolds for Heroes. Thank you. Term. So Reynolds for Heroes.org. 
Yeah. And and guys, please go to the website, take a look at some of the the work that they've done for some of the the vets that have come home and they need the assistance and whatever you guys can give up. Honestly, whatever you yeah, guys no, can give it'd up. Yeah, no, it would be yeah, you know, like I said, whatever you can you know, whatever you can do, give up two coffees for the day and yeah. <laughs> throw yeah. it Anything away. at all. That's all it is, man. Yeah. So we're just, it's, asking, it's a huge, it, you know, it's a huge, huge benefit to these guys. And it, it just may, you know, it just makes their life so much easier when you do it. And guys also like we have, we, we end up, you know, we're may have a little project out in Alberta for you guys that are out West. I would love to be able to reach out to you where maybe you could help us with this. Yeah. You know, um, we would pay for all the material and all that kind of stuff. And if you could, you know, maybe give up some of your labor to help, you know, help one of our veterans out. It's pretty cool, man. I, I can tell you, you know, with, with all the ones that we've done over the years and their stories and their, and their, you know, their, their drive, their, their look on life after, you know, losing two legs, losing an arm. They just, they're, they're so inspiring, right? Yeah. I mean, and, yeah. and the shit that they've gone through. And, and they're too proud to ask. They are too proud to ask. And and you know what? And and I'm actually glad, glad that you brought that up. If there's any vets out there listening and you need help, or if anybody out there listening and one of your family members or one of your friends or somebody that you, you know has served and is just not, you know, he just, you know, he's not afraid, but just too proud to, to reach out and, and need some help. Let us know. Let us know. We will do whatever we can to get uh, to help them out for sure. It's so, important to us, bro. It is. It it's is. Really important we wouldn't be living here. Yeah, that's a, that's the truth you know, of it, right? So yeah. whatever we can do as a construction industry and as tradespeople, it's a brotherhood, it's a sisterhood. It is. Please help out, and whatever you can, it would be very appreciative. And and once again, thank you everybody for listening. The construction life keeps on going on. I'm thoroughly enjoying chatting with Jim on and off mic all the time, and we've got a bunch of ideas, a lot of spinning hamster wheels going on <laughs> exactly. with ideas of what we want to do. And we know that what we are doing and what we're contributing to this industry is actually making a change for the better. Yeah. So it's going to continue doing that, and we want to do that. So, uh, guys, again, uh, follow Jim. He's not posting, even though I told him yeah, to. Yeah, I'm going to try. No, I'm going to try. Like, <laughs> I'm old posting. school. This is where you young guys can help me. Yeah, exactly. Maybe at the first round table, we can have a little Jim Carrick <laughs> seminar of teaching them how to do a post, right? We'll do live feeds and stuff like that. But, guys, thanks so much. Again, once again, the stickers. Reach out to me. The questions. Reach out to me. I'll put them all together. We'll continue doing this. We'll keep on adding to the construction industry. And and once again, there's no stupid questions. Everybody at any age group at starting out, considering, you know, we've got a lot of great shows coming up. We're going to be talking to students. We're going to get a yeah. huge Q&A with students, guys that are in their late teens that are getting into the industry. And we want to see what they're thinking about. We're going to get the accountants on board. We're going to get hedge funds on, uh, operators on board. We're going to get all kinds kinds of people on board the show it's going to be very very interesting so we've got a lot of interesting shows coming up and i'm looking forward to them yeah no so that's, I'm, please I'm keep excited. telling everybody tell everybody listen to the show and uh that's it i think jim for this one man all right perfect guys thank you enjoy thank the rest you. of the week